Well, episode 6 of the Grumpcast was absolutely great. Best one ever. Mike and I completely nailed it. We didn't miss Eric one little bit. It's only going to go from strength to strength with me at the helm. I'd go so far as to say it was... Oh, Berlin. Yes, thank you. Oh dear, I don't think that should have happened. Well, I'm sure I'll get the hang of it eventually. Why are you still here? I only hired you to give me a good review. Don't overplay your part. Oh no! I think the Grumcast is trying to get rid of me. And welcome to 13Cast. I'm Richard, and after one episode in the chair of the Grumpcast, I've been expelled and put in charge of this new venture, a podcast that's following the new series of Doctor Who. Initially, I invited Tim, but he said he'd sooner poke himself in the eye with Jodie Whittaker's new sonic screwdriver than watch Series 11. And the new airtime means that while Mike will be contributing to 13Cast, rather like William Hartnell in The Three Doctors, he'll have to record his contributions separately and I'll aim to stitch it together as seamlessly as possible. But panic not, dear listeners, because I've assembled a frightening array of talent for this podcast. They'll introduce themselves more fully in a moment, but for now, here are Giles. Hello. Paul. Hello. Simon. Hello. Yeah. Who are all excited to be part of this project. And you can tell that from from the, from the way that they uh, introduce themselves there. We're all excited men. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, today is our preview episode where we introduce the format of our podcast to you, help you to get to know the new team on the podcast, and we'll give you our hopes and expectations for the new series. So, let's start with the team. And so we'll quickly introduce ourselves, who we are, how we got into Doctor Who and fandom, and some of our favourite eras and stories. So, Giles, do you want to kick us off? Hello. Yeah, I've been into Doctor Who since the... Early 70s, um, my first memory of it is really associated with the Weetabix cards more than the show mm. itself, although I have some very confused memories of mixing up old Sontaran stories and things like that. But um, I've been a long-term fan probably since like the late 70s and got really quite hardcore in the early 90s when I was organising conventions mm. around the time of the 30th anniversary. And then, yeah, real life kind of took over a bit. Uh, I work as a science journalist and writer, and I kind of fell out of love with the show when, after the McGann thing happened and when it didn't really go anywhere after Mm -hmm. that, and then got lured lured back in by the revival and uh, the glorious quality of the DVDs that were released. So I became suddenly a born-again Hartnell fan after uh, having a great deal of difficulty tolerating the smudgy VHSs, um, I suddenly realised that this was my favourite era. But I really like old Doctor Who, although Moffat has sorely tested my patience at times, <laughs> so I'm quite looking forward to the new new era. And um, I'm pretty best known 
I'm Minmi on Gallifrey Base. Uh, that's my handle, although I don't post there as much as I used to. And I'm probably best known for captaining a team of fans, including the famous John Dorney, to a glorious quarterfinal defeat in the 2014 <laughs> series of Only Connect. Fantastic. You were robbed. <laughs> we was robbed, yeah, those mathematicians. So that uh, other voice was Paul, who's now going to tell you about himself. Oh dear. <clears throat> Not my favourite subject. No, well, I, yeah, I can't claim to remember Doctor Who from the early 70s, even though I think I'm about Giles' age. I can remember The Hand of Fear, part one. I, I remember Eldred's hand coming to life. I mean, who, who couldn't? I remember everything else from that series. I remember um, remember the Panopticon in Deadly Assassin. I remember Doctor Who being buried under a shower of sand in Robots of Death. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I don't remember Mask of Mandragora. It might be that I found it as boring as a five-year-old as I, as I do now. I'm oh, sorry, I don't want to start on a negative note. And of course, I remember Talons of Wang Chiang like it was yesterday. And that, as a segue coming now, that stood me in good stead in my other career. I, I'm a big Finnish writer occasionally, and I spent <laughs> at least half of my time there writing for Jago and Lightfoot and revisiting the world of, of Towns of Wang Chang. So, uh, <clears throat> is that Ooh. enough? <laughs> Can I stop there? Yeah, yeah. Hooray. Thank you, Paul. Um, and also lurking somewhere on this podcast is Simon. Hello, I'm Simon. I'm, I go by the handle of Nosy Neighbour on uh, Planet Mondas Forum. Um, that's because I'm a bit of an old-fashioned armchair fan and I peek in occasionally to see if there's any breaking news. Unfortunately I missed the ticket for the Grumpcast because I'm fairly grumpy about the missing episode situation but I am cautiously optimistic about this new series as I am with every new dawn with every regeneration. I got into the show in the 70s as a very small child getting kicked out of the room by my older uncles and aunties. I remember seeing a glimpse of Inferno and someone wrestling with a primord on top of a, a probably a, a gas cylinder and then being kicked out of the room because it was far too scary <laughs> then i remember um colony in space someone mud wrestling essentially with a security guard and my dad laughing his head off at that, so i did get to see that because it was it was quite funny then after that there were glimpses of the the sea devils and and the, the mutants which I th- everyone seems to hate but i think is fantastic Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, amazingly, I've stuck with Doctor Who all the way through because the first full story I watched was The Time Warrior, which hasn't aged particularly well, hmm. and it looks pretty dreadful in retrospect. But I managed to stick all the way through. Um, I was thoroughly del- delighted when the series got rebooted again by Russell T. Davis. So I'm quite full of expectation. I, I hope Chibbers is going to take advantage of effectively being given a, a blank canvas to start with mm-hmm. again um i'm not worried at all about the change in gender of the doctor i, I think the show badly needed a, a reboot because it had gone rather stale and i i got fed up having to explain to my kids and cheat and go off and look on blogs on the guardian just to understand what was going on week <laughs> to week with some of the some of the moffatism so I'm really hoping with Chibbers he's, he's going to go back to proper storytelling within the, within the time format and the, and the allocation. Perhaps the, the Sunday night time slot suggests it's going to be more family orientated. And I'd, I really want something I can sit down with my kids and, and enjoy because they love, they love classic Who. Um, they watch all my old DVDs. They ask me all the questions about it. 
the nooses they dip in and out of they love they love matt smith they like they love david tennant um peter capaldi they call the rubbish doctor unfortunately <laughs> poor bloke i think he i think he gave it his very best shot but hmm. to be honest i don't think he was given the best material to work with so I'm full of optimism for this new series, but as a classic fan, I'm lurking in the background, primed to trigger the grumpiness if needed. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, Simon. So, Richards, yes, Richard, what about you? Okay, well, so so my my story is I started watching Doctor Who also in the 1970s. My dad was a regular viewer, and so uh, I watched it in his presence. And the first thing I remember is the uh, Planet of the Daleks, the the Ice Kano and the and the uh, toy Daleks. Although of course I didn't realise that's what they were at the time. Mm-hmm. I'd say I probably became a, a fan properly in the mid 70s with the Target books and uh, when Tom Baker came along. Uh, my dad stopped watching at that point. He didn't think that Tom Baker was proper Doctor Who, but um, uh, he, he was he was fine as far as I was concerned. And in the 80s, I joined the Doctor Who Appreciation Society and I went to conventions and I wrote the odd thing for fanzines then. But towards the end of that decade, when I went to university and left home and then got married, I, I, um, I kicked it into touch for about a decade. And it was... Um, probably round about the start of the 2000s with with Big Finish having come into existence the the DVDs coming out that sort of rekindled my interest again and then then a new series coming along and I think probably the the um, the pivotal moment for me in recent times was the the 2013 Omni rumor that was what brought me to the forums and to you know getting interested in that and and I guess what brought me to the the three of you, because uh, we've all spent time um, trying to ponder the uh, the story of Phil Morris. But anyway, um, c- you know, coming to the to the new series, uh, I guess as, as Simon said, I'm I'm I hope it's going to be really good. I'm 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 keen to see something new and and, and great. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll I'll say it like I see it, and and if it's great, I'll say it's great, and if it isn't, I'll tell you that it isn't. Okay, so I think that's uh, that's that's introduced you to the team here. So, as as a way to start our, our preview of the new series this evening, fortuitously, uh, a new trailer has dropped on YouTube. So we've we've got a little bit more to look at in terms of what the new series might be like. So, anyone got any initial thoughts about uh, what what you saw in that trailer? I think it it looks fantastic and certainly very um, cinematic and. Um, all of these kind of buzzwords that we've been told to told to expect. It looks extremely high production values, uh, which obviously it needs to be because it's up against the box set generation of you know TV these days. Mm-hmm. I think it's it looks fantastic from that point of view. Very little to go on from the from the point of view of the plot though, or any kind of hint of what we're really going to be getting. Well, that's trailers for you, isn't it? <laughs> They, they, trailers are an art form in themselves now, aren't they? It's, uh, I think it's an art form, telling as little as possible while getting you excited, whether it's movies or television. And television trailers are mimicking movie trailers nowadays. So, yes, it looks lovely. But um, it hasn't looked lovely for years, hasn't it? So, do you think it looked any more expensive than, than the previous series? I mean, we're down to ten episodes. We've got to be careful here, Paul. Let's, let's hope they haven't blown the budget on the trailer. <laughs> hmm. maybe, maybe it just looks lighter and brighter than, than some of what we had 
in recent years. I don't, I don't know. There's something about it that's that just looks more vibrant mm-hmm. to my mind. But um, but yeah, and I noticed that we don't we don't really see. Even there's there's one clip where the, you know they're clearly all having a discussion with someone else who's completely shown off camera, who's asking why they why um, the doctor's friends, as we now have to call mm-hmm. them, are um, are all sort of deferring to her. And there's an American voice, I think it is, off camera, who's obviously another character in the scene, and we don't get a um, we don't get a glimpse of who that is. It all keeps it very focused on the on the TARDIS team. Mm. I tell you what I liked about that particular chunk of the trailer was that I, I can't remember precisely the word, but they say uh, why why you're listening to her are oh, because you know she's in charge, and then the voice says says who, and there's there's a very nice Yorkshire accent coming that says says us so uh so yeah i like that bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you and your yorkshire accents richard it's the yorkshire you can take the boy out of yorkshire it's the yorkshire agenda that's all anyone's going to be talking about yeah and and and, and for me that's 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 a very important part of the new series so um one thing i didn't mention in my little bio is, is that i hail from yorkshire and um i'll be looking forward to that when I was um, a, a boy and I, I went to school in Leeds, I used to walk down from school to catch the train in the evening. And I went past a newspaper seller. And the newspaper seller used to say, Yorkshire Post, get your Yorkshire Post. So so uh, for, for, the, for, the, for this um, podcast, uh, every now and then I might go, Yorkshire Watch. And that'll be when I've spotted something that's definitely uh, a, li- a, little, a little Yorkshire feature. And there, there was the first one from the trailer. How about something snappier, like just a simple "I'll do"? Or that's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's actually quite good. Hey, up! No, I, stop me if I'm being offensive to our northern listeners. Or oh, there's uh, there's now queerer than Zygons. <laughs> Very good. I'm just queering. Is um, is Mr. Chibnall himself a Yorkshireman, or is he um? Oh. Uh, I I have no idea. I have I, I have, wasn't he from Merseyside? This is uh, a question. I'm, I'm, I'm he is. Up. He's from Merseyside. Yeah, he was the man with the Google tab open. Merseyside. Ah, but he gained he gained an MA, says Wikipedia, Ah, from the University of Sheffield, no less. Ah. So this this explains the Sheffield obsession. Uh, And there's there's nothing more uh, more rabid than the adopted Yorkshireman, I suppose. (laughs) Apart from the exile, apart from the exiled Yorkshireman, of course. Yeah. Self-imposed. Mm. Anyway, I've, I've I've taken us well off our discussion of, uh, of what we saw in the trailer. Yes, very little. I, I suspect it's only really there was some stuff that appears to be from the South Africa shoot that mm. we were aware of. Yeah. But I suspect there's only stuff from the first two episodes there, to be mm. honest. And yeah, and I've I've remained gloriously pretty much unspoiled on things. I think I was. Kind of following spoilers up until just before Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. So the first few blocks of filming, I kind of I knew they'd gone to South Africa, put it that way. Yeah. And then I heard other rumours swirling around, but I don't know whether any of them came to pass because I kind of got the hell out of Dodge as soon as stuff started dropping about um, about Cavaldi's final episode. So, um, mm-hmm. and then life got in the way as it sometimes does. So I've really not managed to re-engage with the whole spoiler. Palava, which is quite nice. I checked out the previous trailer um, earlier as well. Did you see that? It came out a few a couple of weeks back, I think. And that one was even more vague. Um, just 
even more vagueness, tantalising glimpses. And I think the, the voiceover in that episode, was more, in that trailer, was more like, reminded me more like 2005 all over again, selling the concept of the Doctor. Because I guess there are a lot of... Is that the one with, that's the one with, jo- with Jodie and the, with the companions all oh, getting a little magic moment? Right. No, I think oh, there was another one in between those. Did it, did it pass it? Yeah. Uh, I, I just went oh, yes. yes. on YouTube. Yeah. Sorry, listeners, we're doing our research as we go along. You might be able to tell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that will be a feature, I think, of this podcast. A feature, not a bug. Yes. <laughs> I, while, while you're looking up that, uh, um, Paul forced me to, to, to make some notes on my uh, viewing of the trailer, so I'll, I'll briefly go through the, through my um, the notes I made. So I, the first thing I said was asteroids. There were some asteroids at the start of the trailer. Mm. I said very slightly more realistic than the McCoy sequence. Right, <laughs> but no, no um, big blue Jody yes. face looming out of them at the end. Very no, no, there is that. Uh, two suns and two moons, quite like that. Uh, there was an actual spaceship quite early on. Mm. Uh, she says, "When people need help, I never refuse." Uh, so obviously, there won't be any fixed points in time in this series. Ooh. I'm yes. thinking of Waters of Mars for for any of you mm. who are um, uh, wondering there. Um, lots of explosions and sonic screwdriver action. At, le- at least two uh, bits of sonic screwdriver. I mean, that seems to be uh, more or less part of the course in the new series. Yes, that'll get some people waving their fists, I'm sure. But... Yeah, yeah. I'm just a traveller, she said. She did. She did. I, I fixated on that line. That is actually the only, the on only notes I made. No, I don't. don't, on, I don't what, what, to... what, what, what do you say? I've got nothing to say about it. But I just noticed she. No, <laughs> um, that to me suggested that we are definitely not returning to the days of the lonely god or the doctor that the whole universe has heard of and is afraid of. Yeah. Everyone's mm. she's, she's just going to turn up and she won't know what she's expecting to find any more than the people she finds will be expecting her, which I know that this, it had moved back that direction the last few years, but it's nice to see, I think, that reaffirm mm. that we're sticking with that, really. which yes. is my, my personal preferred version of Doctor Who. Mm. Yes, and there's a follow-up line, which is along those lines. She says, sometimes I see things that need fixing and I do what I can. Yes. She never refuses, I hear. Mm. No, I'm all in favour. Yeah. Uh, And my last uh, thing was to say, it's about time they stop ripping off the TV movie. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, you know, why um, why why let a good pun go to waste? Is it a pun? I don't know. Some kind of play on words, anyway. Without any context, what does that mean? It's about time. Is it about time dot 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 for a female doctor? Is it about time dot 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 because it's been off for 18 months? It just seems a bit meaningless on its own, but um, that's trailers for you. Doctor Who, it's about time. Well, yeah. oh, God. Are people really, if people have forgotten that it's about time, then we are in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Several generations have born and died since it was last a regular picture. <laughs> it's tragic. It's just old... <laughs> Old gets like us to remember. We can't make any assumptions about what the kids. I have to say this. This is one thing where I do feel it's been a. It was an issue, I think, in the gap before season ten as well, where I just felt, you know, as much as I like having Doctor Who on our screens regularly, I kind of felt like, okay, could we not have a, had a longer gap in between sort of eras, showrunners? I'd have far sooner that's the Moffat era had, had wrapped up and then we'd had an 18 month gap so if, mm. I may, maybe it's just me that it feels like I'd like the, to feel the build up more instead of well it's 
And I suppose it's eight months, eight, nine months since since the show was last on our screens. You're saying it's just that one Christmas special that spoiled that flow for you? If they, well, you'd rather... Because I did, I think, I mean, isn't there a rumour going around that if they were worried that if they skipped a Christmas special, that might be it, they might not get one, because it's got to be a mm. fixture, and once you've broken that trend, then... Yes, uh, it was discussed, wasn't it? I mean, Mr. Moffat mm. might have might have saved us all there by stepping in and doing mm. an extra an extra one when he thought he was out. Just like the Godfather Part Three, yeah. Just when he thinks he's out, they drag him back in. Maybe it's just a thing that's is grated on me more in the in the Moffat era because we've had, you know, here I go. <laughs> but because we've um, because because I think because the the show has come in fits and starts and with elongated yeah. breaks anyway, and then often with just a Christmas special in a gap. It doesn't feel like there's been an unusual gap at the moment. I guess it felt more like at the end of. Russell's mm. year, we then had that year of specials, and although they were somewhat strung out, it felt like there was that at least was a difference of pace. Whereas really, the gap from from the end of season ten to Christmas special to now doesn't really feel all that, all that different from kind of the gap between some of Moffat's productions anyway. Mm. Mm. True. So Simon, anything to say about the trailer? Yeah, I, I, I agree with the other guys. It, visually, it looked fantastic. Um, it did look brighter and lighter, which was interesting. Um, it gave very, very little away, which I quite like. There's there's no tantalising glances of a, of a Dalek or Cybermen being trotted out yet again. So it, mm. it keeps it all keeps it all fresh, and it I I think it you know it whets the appetite. So I I I like the trailer. Um, some very good lines you you picked up. On there, Richard as as well. So ticked mm-hmm. all the boxes for me, I think. Good. So we we've heard about um, anamorphic lenses and two to one ratio. I mean, I, being as someone who has a job that's that's sort of sort somewhat in the video industry, I thought I'd better look up and see what that meant. Apparently, it means that it stretches the video to fill the full frame of a thirty five millimeter camera. Um, which and then they have to squash it again when they when they show it or something like that. Hmm. Um, but I don't know that that would have made any difference to the um, to the lighter or brighter bit. Blimey. I don't know. It seems to be something that film buffs like. Hmm. You know, as they always go on about the anamorphic transfers on Blu-rays and things like that. But um, it's beyond my. Hmm. I've missed a bit there. Sorry. Can. can you step back a bit, Richard? Well, who I haven't heard about the anamorphic transfers. What's um, somebody's saying? They're filming it. Sorry. Recording it. So, in so, a so, so apparently, the the the, need, the cameras they're using on this yeah. series um, are recording it anamorphically, which means that the image that they put on the film well, is not, not film. Tr- is not a true image. Yeah. Okay. You're Sorry. right. Image, the image they put on, put in the camera the is not the true aspect ratio. Okay. It's kind of stretched a bit, and then they do. They go the other way around, and um, and they sort of stretch it out again afterwards. And why that should matter, heaven only knows. <laughs> right. But as Giles is saying, people get very excited about mm. it. I'm, all... I'm starting to. Wow. It's all reminding me of Tom Baker describing explaining the artist to leave it with the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think it's exactly like that. Or indeed, Father. Or indeed, Father Ted and Dougal and the cows. <laughs> Uh, and apparently, also, we're getting it in a two to one ratio instead of sixteen by nine. So, so there's an extra one there. Excellent. So, does that mean, or or there's one taken away? Does that mean letterbox? Yeah, it means it means that lovely 
big screen you've got, there's going to be a black bar top and bottom Excellent. of it. Or, or alternatively, you can squash the picture slightly. Or alternatively, um, you know, you can miss bits off the edge. Um, and you, you'll probably spend all series fretting about which of those you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I like watching my doctor with black bars somewhere, somewhere in relation to the um, picture. So I figure That's right. most Doctor Who I get to see with the sides chopped off this time, I'll just watch it with the top and bottom chopped off. Yeah, we've we've come a long way, haven't we, from uh, Vaseline being rubbed over <laughs> literally <laughs> over camera lenses to film men in tights in Zabi, haven't we? Mm. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> Don't knock the web planet, that's my job. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've performed um, uh, Paul's feature there in taking us way off target with the anamorphic thing, but never mind. What did everyone? What what does everyone feel? What's you know people talk about the optimum number of companions? We have to call them friends now, don't we? Is 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 hmm. three too many? How do we feel about having three well, friends travelling with a doctor? Going back to classic Who, then three is is very uh, is not always as my favourite, but it works very nicely every time <laughs> they try it. Uh, not always mm. for very long. I mean, I, I mean I wouldn't sacrifice any of the companions in in the. Davison, early Davison era, when we've got three of them, um, for the mm. stories we have got, any more than, <laughs> than they did at the time. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've sort of talked myself out of this now, and maybe we should stick to the original team. That that works nice, isn't it? But they also had extremely long stories, where you not only could get to know these people over mm. the course of their endless adventures in medieval China or whatever, but having extra episodes meant that you could, you needed more more regulars to split the story between them. The, the whole cliche of splitting up the Doctor and his companions, stroke companions, was born there. I just wonder how that translates to the era of 45-minute stories. The, I mean, okay, television's told much more economically now. You can get to know, to know characters much more quickly. I've got no worries that we won't feel these are fully rounded people. Uh, by the end of the first episode, I just wonder whether you need them and what there is to do in stories that are told at such a clip. That's that'll be interesting to see. I'm sure it'll work because I don't think Mr. Chibnall is an idiot, so I'm sure he knows exactly what he's doing in, in choosing that lineup. I'm intrigued. Yes, I always thought having the you, you, you talked about how long the stories used to be and how arduous the filming schedules used to be. I always used to think having three companions that was just a ruse to give people time off and a, and a holiday <laughs> in the middle of it because they always they always got separated and went off on their adventures and perhaps someone would get knocked unconscious and lie lie on a bunk bed for a whole episode or two or just disappear and be kidnapped while they went off and had a break in the middle of filming but uh, things have come on a long way since then it didn't last though did it i mean if that was if that was the thinking they well after the first couple of series we were down to three companions from sorry three regulars from four and then then down to two and um so even end up with a situation where eventually you've got doctor who's off on his holiday and the companion covers it doesn't happen often but they must have decided they didn't need such a big group quite early on so perhaps it was having that you know hartnell being more of a grandfather figure he needed a sort of strong action man Mm. alongside him and then he needed a a granddaughter as well and then you needed another contemporary figure in the, in the form of Barbara as well so that, that chemistry was probably right for that first setting they seem to be aping that very consciously here we have a we have a, a group of people that is diverse with a small d but is obviously sort of trying to make sure that everybody in the audience has an identification figure in the um, literal sense that there's somebody they can identify with who is looks or 
is the same age or has the same background as them. So, yeah, they've even got an old it, git for us, haven't they? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm interested with him. I we've I don't think he said a word in the in these trailers. I'm very he's my favourite character. I can tell he's going to be great. Charles, mm. <laughs> you had something to say. Uh, well, I think I think certainly casting Bradley Walsh is a bit of a masterstroke from the from the Catherine Tate school of casting, as it were. I suspect he's mm-hmm. going to be um, very impressive in a number of ways, and I think he's going to bring bring people in who. And not, you know, who would not necessarily be in the mm. demographic that would have, you know, probably the people who've gone off Doctor Who somewhat over the past decade or so. Someone for um, the mums. Hmm? Someone for the mums, as John Nathan Taylor yes, probably have yeah. said. <laughs> 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 yes. No, I hope I didn't and, sound sarcastic. Um, I think Bradley's going to be great. Can I, uh, can I out, my, out myself here as a secret ex Coronation Street viewer, and in fact, ex Coronation Street fan? Back when Bradley joined Coronation Street, I'm fairly sure he wasn't known for acting at all. He was just a comedian presenter, and there was scepticism. And he, from what I remember, he was brilliant. He shook it, he shook it up very nicely. And I think I feel like, oddly enough, ten or fifteen years later, or whatever it is, we're in the same situation. He's done quite a lot of straight drama in between. I think Law and Order. Yeah, he's, he's excellent. He's excellent in that, Paul. I think. I. I think he's a good. I think he's a very decent actor. I mean, I don't know if there's anything in there to look at with with you know Jodie being pitched into the role, and the, you know the dramatic regeneration. Having Bradley there as a safe pair of hands there as well. I don't. I don't know. Having a very experienced actor alongside, perhaps two Rora actors coming in as friends. I don't know if there's anything in that. Well, I think although they're not um they're not in my kind of ballpark as I understand it, Tyson and Mandy were both pretty experienced in the in the kind of soapier end of things, so hopefully they're also gonna be pretty reliable and I don't think again, yeah, Chibnall's no fool and they they all know what's relying on, you know, what's what exactly is weighing on this. So hopefully um I think they're gonna fire on all cylinders. But one thing I was gonna add is of course there's rumours and as with all of these things we're currently only reliant on rumours that you know, perhaps not all of the cast are going to be in all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. I believe certainly Bradley seemed to be, I think the, the most concrete evidence seemed to be that Bradley was back and forth to Cardiff and sometimes sometimes having to do the chase um, stuff in recording gaps, as it were. So, so whether we are going to see, and that obviously may address the question of how they handle having such a large cast. So basically you think every week there'll be a Nissa stuck in a task with a headache. Or possibly, possibly <laughs> maybe slightly more elegantly yeah. done than that. But. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I, hopefully it'll be elegantly done, because I have to say, yeah. again, um, I wasn't the greatest fan of um, the Clara situation, yeah. of, um, of really kind of treating the TARDIS as a bit of a taxi and dropping off at the end of... You know, dropping, yeah. dropping off in gaps between stories, but if it, if it can be done where there's a where there's a reasonable um, driving force and a reason for their absence. Yeah, and and just what was it happened to Jamie and Moonbase? Because he seems like he trips over and falls, and then he spends um, two episodes uh, in a delirium, mm. sort of fever type thing, and then at the end he's fine again. Well, Occupational hazards. Mm, tripping over was much more hazardous in the sixties. Yeah, especially <laughs> prevalent in the second story of any new companion when they weren't originally supposed to be there. <laughs> Happy days. 
I, I miss good. that sort of on-the-fly production and quality nowadays. It's all too well thought through nowadays. <laughs> yes, yeah. Don't seem to have been any. Well, actually, no. There, there probably have been. I mean, there's, there's been all the all the usual rumours seem to have done the rounds. I think. I think this time, and I'm sure some of them will again. I think there's the there's been the disastrous start of production rumour, as I think been done the rounds, been circulated by various people who probably have slight chips on their shoulders. Yeah, I, mi- I missed that one, but that that's just like the trouble start to the Russell around again with Moffat when you change all the production staff somehow. It exactly. seems to, yeah. So it's almost bound to happen, isn't it? Hmm. And then, um, and then, yeah. Presumably, we can expect the Jodie isn't really the Doctor; she's the Master, and the real Doctor will turn up in episode ten, I suppose. <laughs> ten episodes of the series. That's that yeah. one. That one. Uh, ten, yeah. That so one does the rounds after every regeneration. What forums have you been reading? What forums have you been well, spending time Just on based on <laughs> based on my careful observation over Gallifrey, of Gallifrey Base over the past oh. um, 14, mm. 14 years, 13 years mm. now. Mm. It seems like whenever the, whoever is cast as the new Doctor from Eccleston onwards, the rumour will inevitably go round that in fact they're the Master and the whole <laughs> series is a red herring that will lead to the re- revelation of the new Doctor or indeed the return of the old Doctor. Who, funnily enough, the people spreading these rumours usually prefer in the final episode. So, what about what about friends? I mean, the the the, the label of the companions now being friends. I mean, do, does anyone think that's significant in any way, or is that just a, a, a better label uh, at, at times? The first thing that springs to mind is, did, was the term companion used? How often is the term companion used in New New Who? That's a genuine question because I does the Doctor ever refer to his friends as companions or assistants or anything other than? Is that? I take it. She's uh, this is Clara a, was his carer, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she cares, so I don't have to. I take it this change in term is supposed to be an in-universe change, which is why we're supposed to care rather than just being in our real mm. world as viewers. I'm wondering how much it's been... I'm so on, unobservant, how, aren't I? How, hmm. can I not, how can I not know if the Doctor has been calling his friends companions for the last 13 years? Shocking. Because we don't actually bother to listen, probably. Hmm. Or indeed the last 55 years. I'm trying to figure out quite how... Well, he always called Sarah his best friend, didn't he? Not, yes. Yeah. Not his number one companion. Well, Pertwee... Fear makes companions of us all. Hmm. <laughs> Pertwee, of course, had assistants, but then that's... Um, yeah. Is companion one of these words that just was invented by fans? Like, um, uh, was it Nathan Turner? I don't know, or, or was it fans in the Nathan Turner era? I reckon it would have been in the seventies when people started writing about it and organising themselves. Mm. I reckon it was one what of them. Was Jeremy? Like rounders. they were kind of they were um, kind of assistants. I thought in the seventies. Well, we were well, so, certainly in the Pertwee era, but then that was within a more um, that was within a more bureaucratic. Set up, yeah. Really. yeah, that was the uh, that was the lab setting, wasn't it? He had an assistant mm. there to help him mm. try and mend the dematerialization circuit or whatever bit of gimmickry they came up with. Mm. Mm. I, I think the companion thing was more an eighties, early eighties um, term. Yes, mm. I suspect you're right. Well, I don't know. Except for that, except for that first octaquote we just came up with. So we did. We, someone brought up. Someone brought up Jamie. I mean, all, all of these friends are going to be travelling with the, with the Doctor. They, again, they're all very contemporary again. 
does that do you think that works best having a, a sort of contemporary there in the TARDIS does that does that make it almost seem more real and will that reach out to more people than you know having a figure from the past like it like a Jamie or a, a Victoria or someone well it saves the writers forgetting about it in 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 the middle of uh, the sort of fifth or sixth story which always seemed to happen with Jamie and Victoria I'd like to think that if they tried it again now they would they would uh, have more luck in keeping it as a as a factor in their companion's personality but even the closest we got was Clara didn't uh, is it, again is this just a rumor is it fact that that Mr Moffat was originally going to use Victorian Clara and then changed his mind at the last minute and killed her off and swapped her for present-day Clara. I've certainly heard it's... I think it's more than a rumour, because I believe that Neil Gaiman's... one of Neil Gaiman's original mm. scripts, he, he had written it for Victorian Nanny Clara. Mm. Yeah, well, that would make sense, well, I suppose. Well, again, if, now that we've got four, and it's much easier to um, to have representation across the board, represent every faction in the audience, so I don't see why we can't have characters who represent people who are hundreds of years old. Yeah. There's, they they have been unrepresented since the seventies, and I think that's shocking. Yes. And, and aliens, we've not. Had, oh no, and Nard Nard Dog. Okay. Mm. Thank thank you for your uh, box tick exercise there, Paul. Mm. We'll 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 certainly pick that up later in the uh, podcast series. I'm sure. <laughs> if anyone, if you if you could bring back one classic monster that we haven't seen for ages in this new series, which, which one would you pick, guys? Mandrills. Ooh. Anything from season seventeen. They scared the hell out of me when I was. When I was seven, hmm. and it give the doctor a bit of a pick me up if, uh, as well, a mandrel, I suppose. If uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that might have to be a minisode for uh, after the watershed. Hmm. How about you, Charles? Oh, I don't know. Part of, part of me wants to answer Yartek, leader of the alien world, of course, but oh yeah, but um, and part of me wants to answer the town wood beast. <laughs> but I think realistically, I think the yeah, given that we haven't had the Rutans yet. Oh, hmm. yep, yep. It seems like we've um, they've got potential. They're top three. I would genuinely like to see a return. We're well overdue a return to the Red Planet. I would love to see it done. I want in inverted commas properly. Oh, I love that. Mm. I love. I absolutely love that Rutan. story. <laughs> With the same amount of ambition and invention that they put into it in 1965, but less Vaseline and... Um... And men in tights as well. Yes. <laughs> no, you're spot on. I like. I, I love that story for all the same reasons, Paul. I mean... It... Oh, sorry, did I, did I nick yours? I beg your pardon. No, 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 no. You, you hooked me. My favourites from my childhood were the Ogrons. I, I thought they were fantastic. Oh. I'd love to see them come back. Although they mm-hmm. look they look slightly Klingon like, don't they? The way Star Trek does Klingons. They're a bit Ogron like, aren't they? But no, I'd love to see the Ogrons again. The same hairline, haven't they, as well, so it doesn't help. Yeah. It totally depends which era of Star Trek you're talking about. The original <laughs> um Klingons were kind of quite humanoid, but yeah. Yeah, these these were these latest ones they've they've got sort of a Cornish pasty thing going on, haven't they? Down their foreheads. <laughs> Yeah, the, the laser, the very lasers ones are very strange. The ones in Discovery, wrong series, mm. but they they look more um they look more like Jacquard out of Babylon Five. Sorry, what's your mouth? That was so. Mm. so. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than us making lists of our own wishes, what is there any way we can work out what we think Mister Chibnall might reintroduce from next year at Bank Can we tell? 
from his likes and dislikes. He's still a bit of a blank box. Well, we know that he's he's quite into Pertwee, isn't he? Because we had the, mm. uh, the, the Silurian thing going on in his... And he mentioned, I think, when he, uh, at that time that he was, he, you know, he was a fan of that era of the show. So, uh, you know, draconians, I suppose, come into play. Oh, now you're talking, yeah. Except they look a bit too much like Silurians now, unfortunately. So you're kind of stuck in the middle. Maybe mm. the draconians could be brought back, and they look like the original Silurians. Yeah, yeah, or, or or it could just be some a bloke with a pineapple on his head. Yeah. <laughs> You could do the whole draconians thing, doing a Brexit and trying to leave the Federation or something like that, couldn't you? Yeah. Make it very topical. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That rumour went around about Gatiss last year writing a um, writing a writing a Peladon story along mm. those lines. Sadly, it didn't mm. come to pass. I think that might have been quite interesting. Peladon. Yep, we've got Alpha Centauri back, so we just need a new Arcturus, mm. a new Agador, and we're set. Right, that's top three as well. Yeah, P- P- Peladon's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and uh, how about Sergeant Benton, who regresses into one of the wolf men from Inferno? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the start, or maybe it's the end, I don't know. Guided to a Salisbury, perhaps? And full Don Chaney getter. <laughs> yep, okay. That's my top three rounded out. What about the ambassadors and the ambassadors of death? I mean, we never found out what they were up to. Hmm. We still a lot of spacesuits in the last 13 years so to be honest unless they show us what's underneath it yeah but no. they wouldn't be in spacesuits would they the only reason they're in spacesuits is because um well in fact, in sp- why why are they in spacesuits there is no reason for them to be in were you going to say they're in space no i was going to say they're in well, spacesuits because they... they exchanged them with the, with the guys who go into space but actually there yeah. was no need for that to happen actually, was there? i'm a bit worried or in danger of just going through every pertwee story <laughs> now which I know I said things might get tangential. You've but... just you've just ruined the uh, well. No, I've just ruined the ambassador of death for myself. But you but you you know you've asked why are they in spacesuits? The whole thing's falling apart. Oh, Until good. now, I've thought it was a, it was a, it was an absolute classic. But but yeah, uh, yeah no, it's, maybe it's absolute pant. <laughs> How about that's a regular feature? I destroy one of your most beloved series. <laughs> 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 uh. A slightly related note of flashbacks. I'm not sure whether anyone else has seen this. Um... The thing pointed out that there's a shot of circulating of Jodie and her friends looking through the torn open uh, uh, fencing, and someone has pointed out that it's um, eerily reminiscent of a shot from Robot. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is a nice little, (laughs) potentially a nice little callback. Mm -hmm. I'm not not saying that we're going to have a um, a Kettlewell Mm. K1 robot strutting around the place again. Maybe we'll have a cameo from an Action Man tank. Oh, you beat me to it, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. You could do that. You could do that. Doctor Who meets Ant-Man. You could actually revisit that story and explain that it was a genuine... It was actually an action, action man tank. Ooh, yes. That's an interesting thought. No, as you were. Uh, so I was just going to say, the couple of things that came out of the most recent version uh, issue of DWM were, and I think we, we referred to it earlier, that to the, the woman who fell to Earth is uh, set in Sheffield. Mm. So yeah, so we can look. We can look forward to um, to a Doctor Who being set in in Yorkshire. And, and uh, when I was uh, extolling the virtues of Yorkshire Day on Twitter, and, and and wondering quite how many Doctor Who stories had uh, been set in Yorkshire, where there was that there was that one uh, of Gatiss's with a factory in Yorkshire, Crimson Horror, yes, yeah. And then there was also possibly the uh, Curse of Fenric, although there was a lot of dis- to and fro as as to quite where that was set. Mm. Northumbria 
but of course that 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 could be Yorkshire. It could be further north. Um, it's a very big Saxon kingdom. Yes. So anyway, so it might be the second or third place uh, story to be set in Yorkshire. Mm. And also, the Ghost Monument is the name of the second story. Oh, is it now? Yeah, mm. uh, and that's the one that was partly filmed in South Africa. Right. Weren't the rumours that the the American the nineteen fifties American episode was filmed in South Africa? That? So maybe they got their money's worth while they were down there and did a couple of stories. Like, could be. <laughs> like the genius move of, in uh, Planet of Fire of, of using it both as Tenerife and an alien planet that looks exactly like Tenerife. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances, eh? Mm. Okay, oh, we, well, just I, got a, we just went on an 18 second hiatus there, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Nicola Bryan, actually. <laughs> I, I don't wish to know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I think we're we're coming towards uh, a natural end of our uh, preview episode here. We're intending to record an episode immediately after the first show airs, um, so you can probably expect to see that coming onto your feed at some point in the uh, week commencing the eighth of September. So look out for that. So yeah, so any any final thoughts from the three of you? No. Excellent. Oh, what an amazing what an amazing crescendo of a climax we're building up to. Did everyone else just experience the time bump as well? No. No. No, no, that was that was just you. I think it was a, a Pertwee era call back to the day of the Daleks. Sorry. Okay, I'll try. I'll try waggling his tail. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> what was going on? Everyone, everyone suddenly went staticky and. Um, well, uh, I mean, essentially, I, I was trying to sum everything up and build up to a crescendo and finish, yeah, but in fact, all yeah. I succeeded in doing was killing the discussion. And then I ran out yeah. of steam anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so all in all, it was, it was well, rather are you gonna be? Are you going to be cutting this bit? Yes, don't worry, don't Excellent. worry. It, it, Good news. It, it, it are you going to just jump into the recorded. script? I can, I'm looking at the words, I'm, I'm staring at the script, you see, waiting for you to say this bit, and you're not. Mm. So, so I'll stop and let you do it, shall I? Well, hello, Richard. Here I am uh, to give my opinion on the new series and the trailer that we've uh, just seen this week. Look, with the new series, I'm just hoping that it's going to be watchable. It's going to be good. Um, after the sort of self-indulgence of the Moffat years, I'm hoping to go back to something that's a little bit more like what Doctor Who should be like. It's never going to be like it was, I'm afraid, um, and I've resigned myself to that. I'm not overly keen on the move to a female doctor. I think the doctor should always be male, but I'm interested to see how it is. I'm not completely against the idea. Um, I'm just hoping that it's going to be good, and we've only got two weeks to um, actually see it, and I'm looking forward to it. As for the trailer, well, yet again, we haven't really learnt much. It looks, some of the effects look rather spectacular, I must say, and Jody's a bit enthusiastic and a bit wacky in places, which I thought wasn't going to happen. But apart from that, not a lot happens, and I have no idea what to expect from this series. I'm just hoping it's going to be good. So back to you. Thank you. Okay, so so that's the end of our preview episode, so we'll see you next time. To play us out, here's our closing theme. I wonder if it fell back through a wormhole to 1963, because surely it's the recording that Ron Grainer was referring to when he asked Delia Derbyshire, did I really write that? Anyway, on ukulele and kazoo, here's my arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.
and at which point you'll hear the Doctor Who theme. Um, is there anything else we wanted to add, though, before we um, come to a, that um, precipitate close? I think we should quit while we're ahead. Are we ahead? Um. <laughs> I think I think we we did we did pretty well to make a lot out of that pretty bare bones of a trailer, really. It yeah. isn't an awful. I mean, it, it's good in a way. It heightens the heightens the expectation and everything. But there's very little really around this new series to tell us what's mm. going to happen. And no, no little glimpses of a, any monsters or anything like that. So uh, yeah, I think we're about done, chaps. And I haven't okay. and okay. I haven't had my and I haven't had my dinner yet. I'm sure we'll all look back at some point. Uh, in history and realise that you were right we'll say <laughs> Paul was right mm. but you know mm. it'll, it'll be too late then indeed yeah sorry I was just reading the script here yeah let's extemporise here on how excited we are whoa uh, I've run out of uh, steam on that one uh, <laughs> I wonder if it fell back through a worm home. <laughs> or, 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 I'll try that again.